What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada Athletics, episode 153. I'm your host, Matt Hennigan. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, what's going on, man? Uh, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for asking. Just um, ready for more Wolfpack action these next couple weeks and just excited to get things started once again. Speaking of Wolfpack action, Nevada football won their first game against Cal over the weekend. They This is their third ever road victory against a Power 5 team in their program's history. Uh, the last two have actually come against Cal. Um, women's soccer lost their only game of the weekend. Women's volleyball lost two of their three games. And then the cross-country team got their uh, seasons underway over the weekend with a tournament at San Francisco. Um, men's co- cross-country finished fifth. No. Yeah, they finished fifth, and then women's cross-country finished, finished sixth in the tournament. Yeah, overall a pretty well-rounded performance, I would say across you know all Nevada athletics and just looking to build off some strong performances in many aspects and I know we'll get right into it. Tierney Wolfgram got first place. Um, she highlighted the weekend on the cross country and she got first place in her uh, in her 6k. So I mean hey a great performance to begin the season. Oh definitely no and she's brought a pretty special energy. I know the story of some of the milestones she's eclipsed and already breaking school records and setting a state record before she even stepped foot on campus was quite the buzz coming into it. So her building off quite an impressive performance to start the 2021 season. I mean, you couldn't ask for much better in that regard. No, you really couldn't. Um, women's soccer, let's just transition from sport to sport. Women's soccer uh, lost their only game of the weekend. Kendall Sobel did not play in the game. We had former Florida Gulf Coast transfer Emily McHugh at the goalie spot. She had five saves in the outing, but Nevada lost 3-0 to Sacramento State. Um, both all three of the goals came rather quick. One, two of them came in the 65th minute, and another one in the 72nd minute. Um, so none of them came in the first half. And Nevada had twice as many shots, or nearly twice as many shots. They had 19. Sacramento State, I believe, had 10. Um, Nevada, by virtue of like the volume, they had nine shots on goal. Sacramento State only had eight, but Nevada still got shut out in the losing effort. Yeah, I mean, not the best of performances you want to see by any means, but, you know, it was kind of cool to see Emily McHugh in net, you know, someone other than Stovall in a way, just trying to see what else the program has to offer. And, you know, coming off a win last week, coming off another loss, it's tough seeing not like the offense not really coming together just yet, but we have seen what this team is capable of. We have seen scores like Gabby Brown and Trinity Sandridge really step up when needed. So I'm expecting a bounce back and hopeful for a bounce back next game and throughout this season. I think there could be some real bright spots throughout the year. I definitely agree there. And women's volleyball, uh, they lost in two of their first three games over the weekend. They got swept by both Santa Clara and UC Davis. Uh, in the first game, Sydney Peterson, who finished with a who finished fourth in kills last year had a team by 11 kills and then Rika Montaloni um, had 10 and then Montaloni led the team with led the team with eight in the second match but then again Nevada got their first win of the season they swept San Francisco 3-0 Peterson Kylo Waiters and Montaloni all led were the top three um, in the team in kills in that game Peterson finished with 10 um she also, Peterson also added a team high five blocks, which matches her season high. And she led team in blocks last year. So she, she did what she does best is block shots. Yeah. Closing out the weekend on a high notes, always something to look forward to in a positive fashion. And gosh, I mean, Peterson had quite the performance on both sides and I'm just from Montaloni and other contributors throughout the weekend. I mean, I know you didn't finish it. Uh, I know it started off on a rough note, but finishing it with a solid win to hopefully keep the tires turning, as they would say, throughout the rest of the season can really benefit us down the road. And just keeping an eye on some of these really dominant performances was cool to see. I definitely agree. Um, and then Nevada football, um, the biggest probably Wolfpack event over the weekend. Nevada football, uh, they beat Cal on the road, as I mentioned before, 22-17 um, in their season opener. It was on the road. Their only power five road victory since 2012 um their third ever in their program history as i also mentioned before um it was a good win um i don't know if nevada played their best at all i think they left a lot out on the field um i think they could have played better but 
they look like a team that has been traveling incessantly for the last month and that they were playing on the road against a Power 5 team. Like, they didn't at all look the greatest at certain points of the game, especially in the first quarter. Um, but guess what? They beat a Power 5 team on the road despite not playing as well. They they were they pretty much were succumbed to their conditions. Yeah. Or they, play, they, played, they played to the conditions that they were handed. No, I'm totally with you there. I'm glad you brought up, you know, a team that looks like they've been on the road for quite a while away from their own university because that's certainly been the case. But coming, just coming out of that with what I would call a certain grit and it's win in that fashion. Nevada grit. Nevada grit, as we say here. Um, just coming get the out. Going. Yeah, get it out. <laughs> just uh, having that type of gritty fashion in the win is something we've kind of grown accustomed to see over these past two years. You look at some of the uh, wins over last season, some of them required just grinding out a game on both sides of the ball, little plays here and there that can make all the difference in games. And I think Nevada has kind of grown into that mentality in a way that, you know, obviously the offense can hurt you in a multitude of fashions, which I think we'll see and really pop up throughout the season, maybe next week as we'll get into. But it's also able to really hone down defensively and really zone in and just lock out opponents in a way and win a 22 to 17 game like that on the road over a power five conference. I just, like you said, I know it looked like we had some rust on both sides of the ball, but it's the first game of the season. I, you can't expect much better in terms of an effort perspective in so many ways. And I was just came away pretty impressed by the quality of that win, how they came about getting, uh, just coming out of California with a win in that regard too. I think they mentioned something on the broadcast. I don't know. <clears throat> I want to say they did it like drive by drive. I think it was like there was like four or five, maybe six straight drives where Cal had the opportunity to take the lead after Nevada took the lead and they just didn't. I mean, and that in itself is pretty starting because, I mean, there were moments, especially late in the game, where it was like Nevada got the big turnover. Isaiah system, I will talk about that in a little bit. Um, I think Nevada, they don't score that ensuing possession. I mean, there's a possession where Talton missed a field goal. Um, his th- fourth and final field goal of the night he missed. So he made like the previous three. He was still really good. Um, but there were just times where Nevada, you thought Nevada was just going to slip away and lose the lead a little bit. <clears throat> um, Cal had that third and eight uh, deep in Nevada. They're, they're in, inside Nevada's 10-yard line. Sam Hammond gets the sack, which led to uh, the missed 40-yard field goal, which... I mean, again, swung momentum. So there was, there was multiple times. I mean, I know Cal wouldn't have taken the lead at that point, anyways, but it's still like a momentum booster, especially after they had four three and outs plus another drive where they got a first down off a penalty and still had to punt the ball away. And so it wasn't, they didn't have the smoothest night, especially after the first quarter. And I mean, we'll get into that in a little bit, but I mean, they just, there felt like times where Nevada almost like it slipped almost out of their grasp but they were able to bend but not break. Yeah, <clears throat> that's been the case uh, as we've seen these, you know, just heading into, I keep referencing last year because it was the Stevenson opener, but... I mean, that's the most recent sample we have of yeah. the last weekend. <laughs> but, like, that's been kind of the case with Nevada is sometimes, you know, when the offense isn't clicking on all cylinders, some of those games rely heavily on the defense and coming back, as we'll allude to, you know, coming back from that deficit in the first quarter was quite impressive and... Just being, I think it just speaks volumes to some of the depth and overall kind of chemistry we have on that side of the football that only continues to grow. And it showed up in a big way Saturday night and coming out with a win in that fashion where, like you said, yeah, the game could have easily been in Cal's favor, not just from the get-go, but even in the fourth quarter. They had a chance to, you know, potentially win the game on that final drive, but Nevada's defense held strong once again. And We've seen that kind of come up more and more, you know, over recent seasons. I want to talk about Cal for a second. I was talking with my uncle over the weekend about the game um, on Sunday. And the word I used at the time was coaching malpractice. It was startling how much things changed after that first quarter. And Cal had an excellent first quarter. They did pretty much what their game plan dictated, and that was 
keep Carson Strong off the field and keep Nevada's offense off the field and just wear Nevada down with the running game. I mean, Nevada was getting pushed around. Their defensive line was just getting pushed around. Um, Marcel Dancy, who was getting through creases, or not Dancy, Damian Moore, um, getting through creases, um, picking up chunks of yards. They held the ball for 13 minutes and 20 seconds, or 21 seconds. They completely, they were completely controlling the game in every single facet. No demand. Nevada just had three plays in that first quarter, and I mean, they. I think Nevada did make some adjustments defensively. I mean, Coach Norvell chewed them out. He they showed they showed a video of Norvell just absolutely lighting into that defense, um, which I thought was probably well warranted at the time. But Cal wasn't running the ball at all, and like that's second quarter after. I mean, I know there's a couple. I don't want to, uh, not unopportune, but just a couple unfortunate, they were put in a couple unfortunate circumstances, like the one play they had a holding penalty on a run. And so that pushed them back to like a second and 14. So they had to, they couldn't really move the ball um, just by the run game. They had to start throwing the ball too. And that's where Nevada's pass defense came into play. But I mean, I think they only had like a handful of runs in their next four or five drives. It was insane. It was just, I don't really necessarily understand that. I mean, I think they tried to get a little too cute with it. Because um, they knew Nevada was going to eventually adjust to it, but I still thought, like especially late in the game, when they went kind of back to that ground and pound style towards the end, um, when they had, when they kicked that field goal, it's like I don't, they they were having success then. Of course, it's the end of the game, so everyone's worn down and tired. But even at the beginning of the game, they were wearing Nevada down at the ground game, so it just didn't make sense to me. I don't. They were saying it on the broadcast. I mean, I'm sure Cal fans are saying the same thing right now, um, but. <clears throat> It was just weird to me. I think I think a little bit of it was just, I don't want to say coaching malpractice. I think that's a little bit of a strong term to use, but it's it was startling to me. I don't I didn't necessarily get it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too, because just like a complete, it was change. a complete shift, a complete in shift game plan, and like schematically and what they were trying to do. I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from Garbers. He's a very experienced quarterback and knows what like what he's doing, but it just wasn't working. I mean. I get you may have had to mix it up a little bit and maybe pass on first down a little bit more or whatnot, but um, at least try to get back to that West Coast style of just trying to ground and pound the ball and trying to grind Nevada out a little bit because their run defense objectively was not good. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know what? That ultimately fell into Nevada's hands, and they certainly took advantage. I'm with you there. Like I don't know what really went on on the Cal sidelines after that 14-0 to lead in the first quarter, but it just kind of collapsed from there, and they had – plenty of opportunity to not only build upon the lead but once they fell into a deficit to potentially win the game and take it back but they never did yeah it's like i i don't know it was just it was just weird to me um i didn't necessarily understand it and that was another kind of microcosm of everything that's been going on with this team and this program over the last few weeks is just they were just getting pushed around and i i'm not going to be worried about that yet i mean sam hammond and don peterson are two very good linemen they'll they they by themselves have a big enough of a threat to carry this front four um, and this front seven throughout the season. But I, I wasn't. It was a little odd to me because I mean Cal last year was not a good rushing team at all. Now um, this year, or at least in that first quarter, the first fifteen minutes of the game, that certainly changed. And I'm still wondering why Bill Musgrave, who was an NFL coach for two decades, kind of went away from that game plan. I, I don't know. I'd have to. I want to. I wish I could hear his like full perspective on that and just to see kind of what they went wrong because i mean i'm criticizing it now i'm sure there's additional context like situational standard not situational standards but uh situational stuff going on situationally uh behind that um but as just to as a viewer and as a podcaster right or whatever it was a bit like why why do they keep going away from the run game especially even like after two drives not let alone four or five yeah, it's it was weird to say the least. Really weird. Now let's talk about the Nevada offense. Um, Carson Strong, he won Mountain West play, Offensive Player of the Week, which was kind of strange to me. But so I thought like Cordero had a good weekend, but I mean he was going up against Portland State. I'm guessing this was just uh, the fact that Nevada was going up against Cal and the circumstances circumstances that he was put, put into, but Carson Strong pleaded 22 of 39 passes for 312 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. A lot of drops. Um, more than you would like to see out of a team. Um, a Cole had like four or five. I mean, 
I don't want to say... I don't want to say they all should have been caught because, I mean, some of them were pretty tough, but there were these were drops that you would... that more often than not, they would catch. I think that's more fair to say. I'm not going to say they're going to catch it 100% of the time, not at all or whatnot, but there were some drops that were some tough drops. There were some drops that should not have been dropped. Um, so I'd say more often than not, these were like drops that just shouldn't happen. I wouldn't be too worried about it yet. First game of the season... Um, first game jitters, even though these guys are collegiate players, I'm sure there were like a dr- like first game jitters, adrenaline rush, finally back onto the field against another opponent on the road against a Power 5 team. I don't think it's something to be really worried about that much, but it was just kind of, it was kind of, uh, again, startling. I keep using that word a lot, but it was pretty startling. Yeah, I think what we want to circle back to, or at least from my mind is, like we talked about at the beginning, is this looks like a team that has been on the road for right. weeks now. And I think it kind of showed up with not only the drops from you know, Cole Turner, a, a good number of them, even a couple from Romeo Dobbs, mm-hmm. but uh, you know the penalties early on were kind of ridiculous. Some just uncharacteristic penalties in a way, but like like you said, I don't think it's that much of a problem going forward. I think just kind of shed some of that rust off, and overall, I think will be a pretty. I don't. I wouldn't see those if issues, especially from a guy like Cole Turner, who we know, just based upon last season, how much of a red zone threat he is, how much of a threat he is down the middle, on third down, on third down, just everywhere. Which he the was. dude's a Swiss Army knife, and the same thing with Romeo Dubs, who had a, himself a stellar game despite. And Cole Turner still had seven yeah, for seventy-five too, so he led the team in receptions, if I'm and, not mistaken. Yeah, receptions, and he was third in yards. So I mean, but, he's, so he still had a very good game despite the. Three, four, yeah. five drops he had. And even with like even with that stat line from Carson Strong, could have been even better because indicating the drops and everything like it. Just thought he did a great job spreading the love, spreading the wealth to his receivers. We saw Toy Horton come up big. With a couple big long Big. Catches. What a throw. I mean, he had, you he had really multiple saw good throws. What a <laughs> I, yeah, I was gonna say we saw a couple serious, serious and I I, I know, you know, don't be shocked because you're going to start hearing his name maybe more often in the NFL draft train, but some serious NFL caliber throws down the field in the bread basket. In the bread basket. I, 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 I tweeted something from the Pack Center account on Sunday uh, with the Horton throw down the sideline. That's just not, that's not normal, man. Like to make, to even make that throw for context, he threw it from, I think, his own 30. And it landed in Horton Sands at the opposing team's twenty around that, like around there, and that's just like from the opposing from the other hash mark uh, cross field down that sideline, um, where I mean Horton was pretty well covered, I would say. Um, Carson just put it right where you needed to, and I mean it traveled fifty yards in the air. It's just not a normal throw, man. Not a lot of not a lot of college quarterbacks even attempt that throw, let alone complete it exactly where it needs to be. It's elite-level arm talent right now. It, it's it elite. Is. elite. It is. It's elite. I hate – I'm not trying to get in hyperboles and, like, be a homer, but I think we're going to start seeing it as the season rolls along too. I think that was a great win for Nevada, but not only for Nevada football, but for Carson Strong as a whole because going into week one, hostile road environment, Cal, Power 5 – where you know, he used to watch where games. Where he used to play. And credit, I want to just give a quick shout-out to you, Matt, if you haven't read his recap on Mountain West Connection. That lead of yours was quite crisp, referencing wow, okay. what he's done. But yeah. like, Thank you. Just, just the emotions going into that game, you knew he wanted to put on a performance and just, boy, did he ever. Because some of the throws he made were just like eye-popping. And he's been generating buzz nationally for... A little while now, especially throughout this offseason, but just having that game week one to have a statement like that with some of the throws he made were just like mind blowing. It's it's legit. And, <laughs> it's, it's and legit. I also want to give out give a shout out to Carson because he kept trusting his guys, regardless of the drops, specifically Cole Turner. Yeah, that I think it was it was either the last drive or the second to last drive. There was a third down and he threw he threw it to Turner for the first down. Turner kind of had to lay out because I think it was a little bit behind him or. I mean, no, he had to lay out for it, and he brought it in 
reception first down and it's just a testament because it's like usually not usually but sometimes quarterbacks don't trust their receivers after a few drops and but Carson knows the talent that he has on this team specifically with uh Turner with Dubs with Cooks um etc etc where he's able to trust his guys and spread the wealth and um keep their confidence up because I mean again Turner despite the drops had seven catches for 75 yards um, Dubs, despite maybe a drop or two, had six catches for 83 yards and a touchdown. Signature, 43-yard bomb touchdown, um, too. And then, of course, Horton had three for 94. Cooks, um, who he tested down the field a few times, only had two for 23, but um, it was still a good game, including the 16-yard touchdown over the middle. Um, and so I think that came right after the Horton 40-yard uh, grab, or 40-plus-yard grab. But it was still very, I would say, an impressive uh we especially uh, what's what I'm looking for a good win and a great performance from strong yeah I mean it's I think we're gonna start growing accustomed to these I know we were spoiled last year during that truncated season and we're gonna really see it unfold and really see what he's made of this season and I can't be more excited I mean just the testament his makeup and if you heard some of his comments in the post game he this has become kind of like the a, a natural or like a regular from Strong is he just holds himself to such a high performance. And you, just every post game, there's so many post games, he always talks about, you know, what's left out there on the field and how he can improve each and every day. It just, it just speaks to the testament of what he wants to be and what he's transforming into in so many ways, the maturity, the growth. It's, it's, pretty unbelievable right now it's awesome we're just lucky to have him in so many ways and i know i breezed over this a little bit but the connection's back carson strong to romeo dubs 43 yard touchdown i mean back like it never left yeah back like it never left man that was a good throw good catch good play um hopefully we see much more of that but the connection's back man first of the year um they had nine last year so is there gonna be more is there going to be more? Is there going to be less? we got a 12-game regular season ahead of us. We're going to see. It's Torrey Horton stepping into that role as a deep ball, deep ball receiver. Is, that kid can fly. Is Elijah can Cooks, Is Elijah Cooks going to make a similar impact? I don't know, man. Nevada's got a lot of deep ball threats, and they've got a lot of weapons on the outside. They, got a, they have a litany of them. That's word of the day, litany. I love it. A litany <laughs> of receivers at his disposal. A litany, a litany of targets. Yeah, man. Like, they got... It, the connection's back, man. I I don't know. I, it's like, yeah, back like we never left. You you took the words right out of my mouth. But And a, another big shout-out to Isaiah Essesima. I know we didn't really talk about the interception. Yeah, yeah, let's talk late, about that. But, let's talk about that. I mean, picking off Garbers with what was it? I think it was like 4.30 left. To Something give. like that, yeah. And then um, I know the Wolfpack didn't make the most of that possession, but they chewed some time off the clock mm-hmm. and gave it back to Cal in their own territory with just about two minutes, maybe two minutes and change left. Great play on the ball. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice way to pick it up and everything like that. Just what the defense did that whole second half was absolutely locked down. Yeah, yeah, I mean. And special teams too. Good shout out, like all three phases of the ball had a positive impact. Right. Saturday night. That's there was big. also some pretty weird penalties that happened. <laughs> also, the interception that, uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but Cal had. It was weird because Strong threw it. He caught it, but looked like as he, he was falling out of bounds, the ball fell out of his hands and he didn't have control of the ball. I mean, they showed multiple replay angles of it. Nevada didn't challenge it, which was, I thought, kind of odd, but I don't. There's probably reasons behind that, but it still looked strange to me. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's a legitimate pick. I'm, I'm, Taking that off. I'm just kidding. Yeah, take it off the record book. <laughs> take it off the record. 22 for 38, 312 yards <laughs> and two touchdowns. <laughs> no, I mean, it still probably would have been an incompletion. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to act like that pass didn't exist. Okay, no, all no right. pass attempt. But, yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, I think they also came after another long pass play. Um, he, Carson tried another one, and it was just a little bit too far ahead of Elijah, but... It was. I didn't think he completed the catch. I mean, actually, no. I'll say he completed the catch, but in today's day and age, he didn't complete the catch. I always thought the catch rule was kind of weird and odd, but it is what it is. Yeah, I'm with you there. There was also a uh, couple strange penalties. They had the pass. They did the pass interference. I think um, after right after that interception, uh, there was a third down pass interference, 
Um, I think I may have been on Burdale, but it was like Carbers threw it like 10, 15 yards ahead of this guy. I'm exaggerating a little bit when I say that, but it was like no one was even going to come close to catching it, and Burdale or whoever committed the penalty didn't even come close to restricting him that much. Um, but I've also, when I watch football, I feel like I see that once a game where it was just like a completely uncatchable pass interference penalty where it's just like, okay, that dude was not catching that ball regardless. No one was catching that ball regardless except uh, the coach on the sideline or whatever. <laughs> he was ready for it too. He yeah, his hands it was just up and like everything. no one was catching that pass and yet it was called a pass interference. But then again, that also uh, led to that super long drive that Cal had. I believe that was a missed field goal drive. Um, a field goal or a missed field goal? My, my brain's fuzzy. It's a Tuesday. Long weekend, um, but yeah, there was it was it was overall a good game. I'm glad Nevada uh, grit and grinded it out, um, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, they they displayed the Nevada grit. They were the, they were the uh, quintessential embodiment of the Nevada grit over the weekend against the Power Five team on the road. Yeah, no overall solid win. All right, we are going to take a break and we'll get to some week one overreactions. It's week one overreactions time. Uh, We'll be right back. And we are back. Um, week one overreactions. Uh, I can't remember what you had last year. I think I didn't I get one right last year. Yeah, you did. You had Carson Strong for Mountain West Player of the Year. And that nailed it right on the head. I th- <laughs> wait. I, okay, I have. I just pulled it up. I had him as an all first team All Mountain West quarterback. So I mean that's Boom. hey there you go. Boom. No. Um, the other two. I had Julian Diaz as the team MVP just after the first. Oh, week. do you remember some of the punts? Well, no, yeah. I remember the punts, but I just yeah. Hey, that's an over. They're I, overreactions for a reason. <laughs> I mean that's true. Um, and then I also had Can Nevada make the Mountain West championship. So close. That was close. So that was close. really close, actually. Um, so what you're trying to say is. Expecting big things this year. Uh, I expect to hit. I have four down right now. How many do you got? I got two. You got two? Um, do you remember what yours were last year? No. Okay. I, you know, they're probably going to be stupid. I don't think people want to hear about it. Well, I think I did say something about Cole Turner, but I won't go there. Well, listen, Cole Turner had a great year. Yeah. There you go. Just take I, credit for it. Take yeah, credit no, for it while you have I'm, the chance. I'm all right. I don't even know what I said. I think he just said, like, catches t- 10 touchdowns or something like that, which is ridiculous thinking it was an eight-game season. Well, I mean, he had nine. Overreaction. So. I think it was something like that, but I'm not 100% sure. Listen, any Cole Turner hype that you had last year at week one was probably warranted and correct. So. Thank you. Um, like the goal line fade. Remember how I just – I kept telling you like nonstop on this podcast and off air that I didn't like the goal line fade except if it was like in Madden or like NCAA. I mean, I would use it then. I don't really, wouldn't really work that much, but I'd still use it. And I just didn't like it in real life because they never worked. But then you had Cole Turner come to the picture and he certainly kind of changed that narrative. He, re- he rewrote the narrative. Yeah. So now every time Nevada's on like the three yard line, goal line fades. Bam. Throw it up. Throw it up to Cole. Yeah. Let him make a play. But um, no week one overreactions. My bad. I'm just I, I was go. just at, uh, yeah, listen. Go. This, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Go off it. Go off, King. I want to hear it. All right. Uh, first one. I don't know the statistical backing of this, um, because I don't. I'll have to. Or I can look it up in a little bit after I say it. But I had I my first one. This might not even be an overreaction with a 12-game season, but are you ready? Nevada will have not one, but two receivers within 100 yards of 1,000 yards. So 900 yards, you're saying? Yeah, they will get at least that. I phrased that terribly. They will get 900-plus yards. Not one, but two of them. That's certainly possible. That's great. It's, It's a bit of an overreaction. I could see what you mean, but I mean... Big plays galore. I honestly don't hate it in a way. Like, just look at the offense. That's look what at I'm the saying. weapons. No, but it, it, look at me, week let, one. Let me. Yeah, that's 
I mean, you kind of are taking my argument out of my mouth. How dare you? Sorry, sorry. This, this is your overreaction, dude. How dare I'm you? I'm supposed to be the naysayer. Get off this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I mean, I just think that, like, just imagine how many yards Cole Turner would have had if he didn't have some of those drops. He would have had over a hundred easily. Um, I still feel like Dubs Dubs is going to get his touches. Um, I don't think Horton's going to crawl into that area, but he might get like six, seven hundred maybe. Um, but this is such a lethal offense. Nevada's going to be going up against not as good defenses throughout the rest of the year. I mean, I know the Boise State coming up. They got San Jose State and San Diego State. Those are probably the three best that they're going to face and three of the best in the conference, respectfully. Um, but I still think that there's going to be better games in the future offensively for the Wolfpack. Um, especially through the air, without the drops. I mean, no no game is going to be perfect, so they might have a couple blip or two in there, but it's also a 12-game regular season. You have to remember that. Dubs had 1,000 last year, um, albeit he had like 100, I don't know, 100, 200 maybe uh, long touchdowns. I mean, he had more than... He had more touchdowns... He had more long touchdowns than I can count. Okay. So... Yeah. <laughs> um, he like... A, like a billion so but that was still in a nine game season well eight game regular season but in a nine game season incomplete um and i say it's a 12 game regular season if nevada makes it to the mountain west championship that's 13 an additional bowl game that makes it 14 it's, so that's still two possible. more games it's, I, po- it's possible it's possible saying, that's what i'm saying yeah. like 900 receiving yards i don't think it's out of the realm of question i don't know if that's much of a hot take but two Having two receivers accomplish that, I think, is going to be tougher than people think. Yeah, I, you know what? It's certainly not out of the realm of possibility, right? I think if I were to, if, okay, I would, I'd probably lean more towards no, but I could easily see yes. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. My question for you, though, is who are you going with if you had to pick two? I mean, that's who I'm kind of more interested in. Dubs and Turner. Dubs and Turner. Dubs and Turner. I can see why. Yeah, I can. But, I mean, I know Elijah only had 23 um, in his first game back. I don't know if he'll get back to that because he had over 900 two years ago. I don't know if he'll get back to there. But Just so many mouths to feed at this point. But Nevada's also more of a pass-heavy offense. They were, At least they were last year compared to what it was in 2019. I think I, I want to say Elijah off the top of my head finished with 926. Can you look that up? Yeah, I got you. All right. And as that's going on, doo, I mean, doo, 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 you should doo, know. Doo. I mean, I, I'm I, testing I just your research that, skills on on the spot. I just think the thing with Elijah Cooks now is he's no longer the top sole guy. proprietor. Yeah, I mean, he still that's has fair. the talent to be the top guy, no doubt. But I just think, like, holy crap, you saw it week one. I mean, just the um, he, Just he, how strong he, spreads the wealth like we were but, talking yeah, about. Strong, 926. 926. Wow, I got that on the dot. Yeah, facts. Dubs finish, I know, with 1,002 on the mark. Over nine games is pretty incredible. Yeah, over nine games. But again, he had all those long touchdowns. But I foresee him having a few more of those this season. Yeah. Just I like because it. of how explosive this Nevada offense is. I like it. So, all right, you go. You're, you're, give me your first one. You know, my first overreaction is... Or, I mean, go, yeah. Just, yeah. I know I don't have as many as you, but I'm going to keep this one. This is, this is to me, the epitome of overreaction, but call it what you will. I think Nevada will have the best defense in the Mountain West Conference by season's end. Wow. You say wow, that. Wow, wow, wow. That is you know, an overreaction. Optics, All right, give, give, me your, yeah. give me your argument. The optics don't look good on the surface because Cal's offense was already weak coming into it, and especially since they put up a 14 spot on them in the first quarter. But since that point on, I mean, the tide seriously turned to Nevada's favor, and uh, much of that can be started and given to the defense to their credit. And did you know, you know, Cal did score in its first two drives, but then they went three and out on the next four possessions, and the Bears couldn't even move the ball. They had 50 total yards during that span, and that helped Nevada score 22 straight en route to the victory. I'm sorry, not 22 straight at that point. But 17 straight. No, they scored 22 straight. They scored 20. Yes, yeah, I'm it was sorry. 22. Yeah, they scored 22 yeah. straight at that point. Just kind of 
I, I don't know why, but we talked about it throughout the recap. Just Ben, don't break. Ben, don't break. I know that's not the recipe for a conference-leading defense by any means, but mm-hmm. I just think there's a lot of untapped talent on that defensive side of the ball that will be unleashed this year. And in some ways, I think this... I think some of the focus has to go on the defensive side of the ball because Strong's not going to be 350-plus and three touchdowns every single week. I just don't think we can always – we could certainly ask that from him. He has the talent to do so in the weapons, but I just don't it's think – It's just not realistic. It's just not realistic. college football, and anything I, can happen on any given week. I think Strong has the backing to not have that type of load on his shoulders whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I just – this defense right now, it's being slept on a little bit, in my opinion, just being able to kind of – bounce back in that second half and just absolutely dominate. I think the one thing they that doesn't work in their favor is, like you said, it was the same thing last year. They don't force as many turnovers and big-time plays as we'd like to see from a conference-leading defense, but I'm hoping that kind of maybe rears its head throughout season's end. And, you know, it's overreactions for a reason, but I just I had to show the defense some love. Why not give them the best in the conference? I mean... If they show up against teams like Boise State and shut them down in SDSU, Fresno State has a potent offense. Fresno State, yeah. You're going to have to stop Fresno State and San And Jose Ronnie State Rivers and everything like that. Yeah. But I think they've shown the capability of doing that and slowing down certain teams' attacks, mm-hmm. like with SDSU's rushing attack, for example. We've seen that mm-hmm. time and time again the past couple of years. I just think this team is so well coached and schemes to their opponents so well that I think it's at least a possibility. Here's my other rebuttal to you. The pass rush. Are they going to have to improve that? They, I think they would have yeah. to, right? They yeah. only had four sacks in the eight regular season games last year and then four more um, in the bowl game. But, I, I mean, Dom and Sam have, certain, again, certainly have the talent to do so. Uh, but I don't – I mean, Daniel – I can't say his last name – Gersisiak, Gersisiak, Gersisiak. Um, he had a good sack. I mean, Sam, of course, had a big sack. I mean, you want to talk about a big time play that the defense forced again, loss of thirteen. Um, kicker hooks it wide left the next play, and so um, that's kind of a that was a momentum changer. But that's that's my only rebuttal to you, of course, the turnovers and the interceptions and just the overall havoc plays. Um, I'm interested to see. Do you really think is it? Could it be possible for them to compete with San Jose State and Boise State for the top defense, and even San Diego State for that matter? I think it'd be Air tough. Air Force, too? It'd be tough because, like we were sure. saying, it's the lack of pass rush and plays, interceptions, forced fumbles, those In, types of plays that... Recently, yes. But, yeah. but I just think, like I said, the talent's there and how they schematically scheme for their opponent. Just had to throw that out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Give me your second one, and then I'll go. Okay, I'm going to say this. This doesn't really feel like a hot take much anymore, but I came into week one... Thinking, I I think I just have to say it is, um, you know, with the amount of mouse defeat in this offense, I think my overreaction of the year is Terry Horton is going to be second on the team in receiving yards this year. Okay. Okay. Give me your case. I just think with the big playability, I think we we saw it certainly at week one. I think Strong and Horton have a chemistry that hasn't really been untapped yet, utilized to its full potential. Except against, I think it was Fresno State last year, something like that. Oh gosh, yeah, when Horton just went off, and we we've seen monster, monster performances. We've seen three touchdown games. We've seen a hundred plus yard uh, receiving games from Horton uh, last year, and I just think one of the ways to really stop Nevada, like you said, is number one, take the ball out of their hands, and really zone in on its two key playmakers, which is Turner in so many situations down the middle in the red zone on third down. And Dubs being able to beat you. You cannot let him toast you in any certain way because he'll burn you. And I think if defenses hone in on those two more, I really think Horton has a chance to be a serious primary beneficiary. Uh, beneficiary. Yeah. Wow, my English. Isaiah. A big dum dum. sentences left and right today. Overreaction. Okay. Isaiah can't speak English either. But um, uh, I just think <laughs> I'll, Horton, I'll put it on the board. And the one thing I wanted to say, <laughs> the one thing I wanted to say too, is just Horton's ability. Gosh, he can really scoot down the field. He can. And he has some soft hands. He, I want to see, I think the one thing that we haven't seen a ton from him that I think he's able to do is do more yards after the catch too. Um, obviously, there's a lot that needs to happen for this to kind of, for Horton to really have a breakout campaign. But I just think the connection that happened after week one and what we saw from Horton throughout points, not a lot of consistency yet from Horton. 
But, you know, the talent, the hopeful chemistry is there to be that top, you know, top number two. I'm, I'm thinking number two in receiving yards and just being that serious week-in, week-out contributor on the receiving side. Who's going to be taken out between Dubs and Turner? If, let's say in an isolated scenario where those two are the top two receivers, or you would think those are the top two receivers, who do you think is getting taken out of that? I would, I, I would actually say Dubs because him and Horton are such similar roles that I think Horton, in a way, and I'm not talking about athletically or anything like that, but they both can really stretch the defense. I think more teams would have to really zone in. And I, think, I think Dubs would have to be kind of schemed out of some game plans for Horton to really feast, as they would say. And Turner can always be that safety clog safety clog safety plug over the middle for strong and those key situations so i think it would be i think dubs would kind of be forced out in a way okay okay all right let me get into my next one i'm surprised what are we 40 minutes into this podcast and you haven't called me a complete and total dummy i'm ready for predicting that cow would win last week you know i had it as a one-point victory i had it as a one-point victory um but I still did predict Cal to win. Um, I think they could have definitely, again, won that game if they just would have kept going at the ground and limiting Nevada's uh, opportunity offensively. Um, but I'm sorry, is it officially I, dummy Matt time? No, 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 it's not. Because you're talking to the biggest dummy of them all who had them going 4-4 four and four in an eight-game <laughs> campaign last year and who doubts the team on a week-in, week-out basis. You had them going, like. what, did you, wait, was yours 10-2? and 10-2. And and so okay. I've completely turned the tables. But trust me, I have made my, and I, you brought great reasoning. And to your point, too, Cal had every opportunity to win that game. And, in fact, we're off to a two-score lead early. So the pieces were there. Here's my second overreaction, and I don't think this is much of an overreaction now. Does this win based on the momentum of the win? We didn't really talk about that initially, but considering Nevada didn't play its best ball and given the circumstances and they still won this game, how this could be such a big momentum builder, does this vault him to at least 10 wins automatically? Not automatically, but does do you think... Is it? Can you foresee? Definitely foresee them now getting to ten wins. Because I, my second one is I. This is a ten win team. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's too Again, much of an overreaction. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an overreaction from the standpoint is I just don't like going off of one game yeah, samples. Yeah, basis of a one game. Hey, I, I know just it's don't. A game. I want the larger sample. Um, but I guess if you want to say the larger sample is last year, like last year coming into this year, because I mean we returned so many guys, but. So do a lot of teams, and some teams even got better. I mean, I think Nevada did get better on the defensive side of the ball. They they just had consistency all around the roster. But I don't like going off the one-game sample, and it's college freaking football, man. Anything can happen on any given Saturday at any point in time. It's just how it is. It's the sport. Every game is so important, um, especially if you're a big-time school like Alabama or Auburn or Georgia or whatnot. Um I don't even want to know why I threw Auburn in there. I mean, uh, Alabama, okay. Georgia, Clemson. Stuck in those Cam Newton days. Ohio State. Like, every game is so big for them because, of course, the college football playoff, obviously, but, like, conversely, everything's big for Nevada because we're trying to vault ourselves into the eventually, hopefully, maybe New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, everything, everything would have to go Nevada's way for that to happen. Um, but we're in a group of five conference. Anything can happen on any given Saturday at any point in time, just that in itself. Um, but just given the circumstances, given the momentum that Nevada can build off of this performance, I mean, again, they have three of their first games on the road. That's not an easy schedule. I mean, I want to see how they look after that before I say anything else. But um, an overreaction would be this is a 10-win team. Yeah, I mean, it's an overreaction to sorts, but I think they're right now, just based off that win and looking at the rest of their schedule, comfy 9 can we say a comfy nine wins? Eight to nine? I had nine, I had nine originally yeah. with a loss. So. so I think a comfy nine wins is easily approachable. Um, yeah, I still think it could be an overreaction, but at the same time, you're talking to someone who had them winning 10 games preseason, being a conference favorite for that very reason. So, eh, bring more fire to the table. <laughs> this, is my, this is my third one. We hit on this already, so I'm not going to spend too much time of it. But I do think Nevada's offense will be more explosive this year. 
Carson Strong had 12, 12 pass plays of 40 plus yards last year in nine games. You know how many I had this? He had, you know how many he had this game alone? Three? Three. Yeah, it's, that's disgusting. Two to Horton that's, and then the dubs. But I say that just on that premise alone. Um, I don't know if we'll get as many 50, 60 yard touchdowns, but I still see the explosiveness for maybe more 30 plus, 20 plus, maybe, or 20 plus, 30 plus, 40 plus, maybe. See, I just, they may not all result in touchdowns. That's also another caveat of this. It's just an explosive down the field attack, um, about this. See, I think this is an overreaction from you. Okay. I think this is more of an overreaction than your last one because Nevada's offense, like you said, not only were they 40-plus, it felt like they were 40-plus and a touchdown every single time. <laughs> it did. It did. That's Lightning true. in a bottle. I thought last year's I'm, – I'm of the standpoint just okay. this year. Last year was electric, 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 lightning in a bottle type offense. Mm-hmm. Can't keep your eyes off. Can, like Cannot keep your eyes off Nevada football for – one second on the offensive end if you're the opposing team because mm-hmm. they're able to burn you. I think this year it's going to be much more well-rounded, an overall more efficient and better unit as mm-hmm. a whole offensively, just not as many. I, and it sounds dumb because, like you said, Strong no, had three plays no, of 40 I, plus. No, I don't disagree with anything you're I just, saying. I think they are going to be a much better well-rounded team that isn't filled with tons and tons of 40-plus, 50-yard touchdown bombs like they were last year. I think this team's going to be a lot more about that. And on on the contrary to everything that I said, um, and to add on to your point, teams are going to game plan for what happened last year. You saw it after the first five games of the season. Hawaii had probably like their entire their entire team in the end zone, or uh, their entire secondary. They were so far <laughs> back, and Carson was just forced to kind of uh, throw the ball underneath. And of course, uh, both Tao and Devontae Lee had big games that game as well. You haven't talked about them yet at all. What's going on with that? They didn't have they didn't have the best against of games. Tower um, was a threat out of the backfield, broke some ankles too. Yeah, he did have that ankle breaker. That was pretty that was pretty impressive. I wanted to say one of my other bold predict- overreactions was Tower has I wanted to say about 350 to 400 receiving yards this year. I just think that's too many. I think that is too many. So it's not I just I was thinking about putting that down but I just washed it. Okay, I thought if, first when you were uh saying that i thought you were gonna say 300 400 rushing yards i was like what uh, uh no that's no, not no, gonna no, happen that's, uh, they'd have to have a terrible year yeah bump, bump it up, up. <laughs> bump that up to 700 at, at yeah. the floor for at least towel could i say an overreaction that he has 1100 all-purpose yards could that be an overreaction mm. could be done that's still a little bit that's a lot that's a man. lot man. that's a lot 11 man. maybe Especially a thousand. having 37 rushing yards and what He's off to a slow start. I think receiving. I mean, Nevada's line did not have the best game. Carson got beat up a little bit back there at times. Um, both lines were just kind of getting pushed around a little bit, but that's that's what happens when you go up against too good an offensive line in Cal and a defensive line. Cal, they're both like pretty good defensive lines, but um, but anyways, let me get to my final final overreaction. This is one that we're going to have to prolong, but Carson Strong is going to be a first-round pick. Yeah, I thought I was thinking I was tempted to put that down there, but it's not. It's really, not an overreaction anymore. It's really. It, it, it still is because. Um, you, no, but you don't know. You, you don't just, know. It's one game, like teams you said. Teams and scouts, uh, they 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 don't just stop after the end of the season. That's when they officially get all their work done. They may not like as much the film that they see uh, in the season compared to when they're done with the season. Like they they may view it differently um, from here now until April. But uh, I'm just gonna say he's gonna be a first round pick. I mean he's getting he had a lot of hype over the weekend. He was trending on Twitter after the game. Um, he was get he was getting a lot of the he was getting a lot of the late night uh, attention after Clemson and Georgia played. And for good reason. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you that a lot has to take place still for that to happen. But I'm telling you right now, it may not be. I was shell-shocked hearing this last year, and now I'm starting to come to the realization that maybe it's not so far-fetched. But a first-round pick, hey, that means you have to be a 31 of 32 selections 
the 2022 NFL draft. So even that is a rarity in itself, but he certainly put himself on the map. I mean, a, a big statement win week one. We talked about the emotions going into Cal, knowing how badly you want to play for that program and just going into their stadium, coming out with a win, 312 yards, two touchdowns, three just like wow. Throws. One interception that was an interception yeah. by the rule of the Pac Center podcast. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I like it. It's I don't think of it as much as an overreaction, but I think your overreactions this year have a good chance of becoming true. They're not as hot and spicy. No, I, I told you coming in there. I mean, I told Isaiah off here that I'm like these yeah. aren't as much. These aren't as big as overreactions, considering uh, we kind of didn't have a clue what. I mean, we knew that the last year's team was going to be an above-average squad, but we didn't know like how good. We didn't know what their ceiling was. Now we kind of we have high expectations. Form so like a hot take would have to be either something that's super low, or drastically high, like higher than higher than high. Um, and I I just couldn't get to either of those type. I I couldn't get to either of those ends. Yeah, I'm with you, but I think I think you have a few that could really come true. I like it. All right, that's gonna. Probably wrap things up. Do you have anything to add? Nevada faces Idaho State this weekend. Crush them. 38-10. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask you about your prediction, but yeah. um, it's this Saturday at, at 7.30 p.m. Um, it's not going to be on. I think Nevada Sportsnet's televising the game. Um, Stadium's going to be, I think, televising the game as well. Or not televising it. Or they're going to be streaming it. Um, but, okay, 38-10's your prediction. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, Idaho State, they lost last weekend 35-14 to North Dakota. Um, they're, much, they're, they're not as good as the team that Nevada faced two years ago, the FCS team, uh, Weber State. Weber State at the time was, I think, a top-10 team, maybe a, a fringe top-5 team in the nation. Um, Idaho State isn't in that top-25 category at all. Um, they have former Wyoming quarterback who Nevada faced, Tyler Vanderwall. Um, they have a couple good running backs. They have, um, they have a couple good receivers, Xavier Guillory. Um, and so, I mean, they have they have some talent, but I think Nevada should beat them pretty handedly. I don't think anyone's really disputing that. Um, the fans are going to be back. The first time the fans see this team at home, it's going to be exciting. since 2019. I mean, this te- this. I hope they show out. I really do hope they show <laughs> yeah. out. Please. You mean are you talking about the fans or the team? Phil, the, the fans. The team okay. is going to dominate. Okay, <laughs> I was about to say like, uh, I mean, you could yeah, either one, but. Um, Yes, I do hope the fans show out as well. I hope the place is packed, sold out, despite it being an FCS team. This, I'm sure the fans have endeared themselves over the last several days um, and months and a couple years just of how like special this, special this team and program have become. Um, and so I don't really have my score prediction yet, but I do think the Vaz is going to win by at least three scores. I like it. I like it. All right, you have anything more to add? No, sir. Um, thank you for listening. Like and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. See you guys next week.